Blackstone Audio presents There Are No Children Here by Alex Kotlowitz To My Mother and Father What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat? Or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? Langston Hughes Ah, what would the world be to us if the children were no more? We should dread the desert behind us, worse than the dark before. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Preface I first met Lafayette in Faro Rivers during the summer of 1985. Lafayette was then ten. Faro was seven. I was working as a freelance journalist at the time, and had been asked by a friend to write the text for a photo essay he was doing on children in poverty for Chicago Magazine. He'd met the two boys and their mother through a local social services agency, and had spent a number of days taking photographs of them at the Henry Horner Homes, a public housing complex. Before I ever met Lafayette and Farrow, I had seen their likenesses. One photograph in particular struck me. Lafayette stood in a dark hallway of his building. He was wearing a striped tank top, baggy jeans, and a Kangol cap that was too big for him. His high tops were untied. In his hands was what appeared to be a baseball. And yet, despite the youthful attire, he looked like an old man. There seemed bottled up inside him a lifetime's worth of horrors. His face revealed a restless loneliness. When I went to meet him and his family, the interview didn't last long, maybe a few hours, because I was writing only a short essay to accompany my friend's photographs and had over a dozen families to interview in a couple of weeks' time. But even during my short stay with Lafayette, I was unnerved by the relentless neighborhood violence he talked about. In fact, I had trouble believing it at all. And then I asked Lafayette what he wanted to be. If I grow up, I'd like to be a bus driver, he told me. If, not when. At the age of ten, Lafayette wasn't sure he'd make it to adulthood. Two years later, I returned to the Henry Horner homes to write a story for the Wall Street Journal on the toll inner-city violence takes on the children who live there. I spent the summer at Henry Horner, playing basketball with the kids, going to lunch with them, talking with their parents, and just hanging out. Over those weeks, I became good friends with Lafayette and his brother, Pharaoh, and our friendship lasted long after the journal story appeared, and, I'm sure, will continue well beyond the publication of this book. We have spent time together nearly every weekend. We visit museums, play video games, take walks in the country, go to the movies, and browse in bookstores. Each summer we take a fishing trip to northern Michigan, and we keep talking. I've been encouraged by their resilience, inspired by their laughter, and angered by their stories. In 1988, I suggested to their mother, LaJo, the possibility of my writing a book about Lafayette, Pharaoh, and the other children of the neighborhood. She liked the idea, although she hesitated, and then said, But you know, there are no children here. 
They've seen too much to be children. One of every five children in the United States lives in poverty. An estimated 12 million children, according to the Children's Defense Fund. In cities like Chicago, the rate is considerably higher. One of every three children. Many grow up in neighborhoods similar to Lafayette and Pharaoh's. By the time they enter adolescence, they have contended with more terror than most of us confront in a lifetime. They have had to make choices that most experienced and educated adults would find difficult. They have lived with fear and witnessed death. Some of them have lashed out. They have joined gangs, sold drugs, and, in some cases, inflicted pain on others. But they have also played baseball and gone on dates and shot marbles and kept diaries. For, despite all they have seen and done, they are, and we must constantly...